On today's episode, I will be going over each and every trade that the Chicago Blackhawks have made in the past year. From the final moves of Stan Bowman's tenure to Kyle Davidson's first as GM, I'll be breaking them all down here on the show today. And then to wrap things up will be Blackhawks defenseman Connor Murphy's 2021-2022 season recap. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Tuesday, May 31st. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please go and show some support first by following the podcast, which will only take a quick couple of seconds. Literally just a quick click of the button will help me out tremendously. Be sure to go and leave the show five stars if you like what you're hearing today as well. And if you're tuning in through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify, then go and leave me a review. If you're a regular listener of the show and you like what you're hearing, please go and leave me a review. I always greatly appreciate getting some feedback from my tremendous listeners out there. And best of all, it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all 100% for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version of today's episode, then you got to be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube because if you haven't gotten the memo already, folks, I don't know how you would have missed it. I've been reiterating this message for the past two months now, but each and every episode moving forward through the rest of the summer into training camp this fall is going to have a video attached to it as well. So if you haven't done so yet, please, please, please head on over to YouTube, go and click the subscribe button to Lockdown Blackhawks, go check out the channel, go and smash the like button for me down below as well, and comment down below as to what grade you think Blackhawks defenseman Connor Murphy deserves for his performance this season. And last, also, be sure to go and ring the bell. Go and turn on the push notifications. That way, you can be notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right, good afternoon, everyone. As always, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start off the day. To open things up on the show this afternoon, folks, both segment one and segment two today actually are going to be relatively the same topic of conversation as I will be going over each and every trade that the Chicago Blackhawks have made in the past 365 days. 12 trades exactly have taken place in that time span, and I'll be going over every one and providing a little bit more insight with what we know now. So, Going back to last summer, 365 days ago, the Blackhawks were in an interesting spot. Obviously, they overachieved in the first half of the COVID-shortened season. They were in a playoff spot. Kevin Lankinen was standing on his head. But then, as his play faded, so did the Blackhawks. They missed out on the postseason, and it was kind of like, well, what are they really going to do here? Are they going to go into a full rebuild like the plans are? 
what what kind of direction are we heading in here? And then the first move that fits our timeline, if you will, was the trade of Duncan Keith, which I think a lot of Blackhawks fans felt like symbolized that the team was trying to get younger. And I'll talk about that a little bit more when we go through some of the details of this trade. Um, but what that deal wound up being was uh, Duncan Keith and Tim Soderland go to the Edmonton Oilers in exchange for Caleb Jones in a conditional 2022 third round pick, which of course, as a lot of us Blackhawks fans know right now, uh, the conditions of that pick were if the Edmonton Oilers reach the Stanley Cup final, they're currently in the Western Conference final against the Colorado Avalanche. That kicks off later tonight, by the way, for all you hockey fans out there. Be sure to tune into that one because it should be a very fun game between Connor McDavid and the Oilers and Nathan McKinnon and the Avs. Um, but if the Oilers manage to win that series and Duncan Keith is uh, among all of their defensemen, uh, if he's among the top four defensemen in terms of average time on ice throughout the postseason, which he currently is. He's currently third among Oilers defensemen in time on ice. So it looks like that box is going to be checked. It looks like Keith is going to continue to play top four minutes as long as the Oilers are alive. Now they just need to do the hard part, and that's defeating the Colorado Avalanche in this Western Conference final. Um, it's going to be a tough challenge for sure, but one the Blackhawks fans should should be watching with a close eye because uh, I know it was tough to see Dunks go. Don't get me wrong. I mean, one of the great, if not the greatest defenseman in franchise history, but uh, I, I really did think it was time for the Hawks to move in a different direction with, you know, the way things had gone the past couple of years, Keith was still serving as the number one defenseman, still getting that type of ice time, uh, even though he was 37 years old. And it was the 17th NHL season, and the Blackhawks were kind of stuck in that limbo area. So I really did think it was time to move on for dunks. Uh, and there also has been a, a pretty serious drop in his play over the past few years. I'm sure he's still, you know, even though he's not putting up the same amount of points and isn't the same defenseman that he was back in his glory days, I'm still sure he's providing valuable veteran experience in the locker room and on the ice for Edmonton, but he isn't. It's it's obvious he's not the defenseman he once was. So for the Hawks to get Caleb Jones, who, you know, we're not really sure what his future is, but to get, I think, a, if that could become a second-round pick, I think that's a very big win for the Chicago Blackhawks. A third-round pick, it's kind of just meh, but all in all, to get that type of return and to not have to retain any of Duncan Keith's salary, I think this was a pretty good move all in all by the Blackhawks, as tough as it was to see a guy like Duncan Keith go and play for another team in the NHL. It still feels really weird. The next trade that was made, out of all of these 12 trades that I'm going to be breaking down on the show today, folks, this is the one I think that hurts the most. And I'm talking about, of course, the Seth Jones trade, which, as it looks now, was basically, uh, at the time, obviously, there were picks going back and forth, but now that most of the picks have been made there, we know it, it shapes out as Seth Jones and Nolan Allen in exchange for Adam Boquist, Cole Sillinger, Jake Bean, who uh, the Jackets used the, the Jackets used the second round pick that the Hawks sent to them as part of this deal to Carolina in order to land Jake Bean, plus the sixth overall pick in this year's NHL draft. And I feel like that's the real kicker of this deal, folks, is that sixth overall pick in the 2022 NHL draft because with the position the Blackhawks are in, they certainly could use that selection. And also, 
I think if you look at this trade as Allen and Jones for Boquist, Stillman in that second, I know that's probably not all that likely um, to have gotten done if that was it, but I feel like that's, you know, the sixth overall pick, I think that's the extra kicker that makes a lot of Blackhawks fans mad. Um, And something I've talked about a lot of times, Seth Jones, I personally thought he had a pretty darn good season. Um, I think I gave him a B plus, if I recall correctly. Spoiler alert, sorry. Um, But he could still be a wonderful defenseman, and this is going to be, it's going to be looked at as an overpay, I really feel, especially considering the term and the dollar amount that the Blackhawks had to give up to get him. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Just a little bit of an overpay in my mind. Like, the the Boquist, Sillinger, and the second round pick combo. Or well, I mean, it would have been a first, Adam Boquist, and a second. Maybe another second in there. I don't think just those three players would get it done, but still. Six overall selection. Again, the Blackhawks could surely use that right now. It ends up with Columbus. It's kind of why the Blackhawks are stuck in this rebuilding stage of three to five years down the road because they don't have enough first round picks to make a difference. They didn't have one last year. Well, they got the last pick in the first round in Nolan Allen, but they're not going to have one this year. So I think that's the kind of toughest pill to swallow about this move in particular, was that it kept the Blackhawks without having a, a true first-round pick in back-to-back years. Three of the next four trades that were made, which, by the way, also happen to be the last four trades that Stan Bowman made as the Blackhawks general manager, uh, but three of those four trades wound up being one-for-one swaps. Uh, with the first being the Blackhawks, this happened also back last year at the NHL draft. The Hawks traded into the third round. They traded uh, for the 91, the 91st <laughs> overall selection from the Carolina Hurricanes, who they ended up using that pick to select Tage Harding, a six foot eight defenseman who's currently playing over at Providence College. Uh, and the Blackhawks gave up a third round pick in this year's draft which ended up being the 70th overall selection. So Carolina came out of that one pretty good. They got a a better pick by 21 spots, but it's still kind of hard to gauge this trade because we don't know who that player is yet uh, for Carolina. And we also don't really know much about Tage Harding at this point with him still being very young in his development process. The next trade uh, was the Marc-Andre Fleury swap, an absolute home run, by the way, slam dunk for Stan Bowman, an easy one. Uh, The Blackhawks wound up getting Marc-Andre Fleury from the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for Michael Hackerine. So Bowman was able to take advantage of the Vegas Golden Knights' lack of cap space. They weren't able to keep both Fleury and Leonard straight. Apparently caught Fleury a little bit off guard, uh, but one that the Blackhawks absolutely had to say yes to. I know the season didn't go the way that anyone wanted, with Fleury not getting a chance to play in much meaningful hockey for this team. Um, but you know, still at the end of the day, they ended up moving Fleury at the deadline and they basically ended up getting a second round pick for Michael Hackerine. And so even though it didn't work out as we all wanted it to with flower and that the Blackhawks still basically got a free second round pick. And speaking of free second round picks, the next trade that the Blackhawks made was actually another situation where they could take advantage of a team's lack of cap space. Tampa Bay lightning last summer, the Blackhawks sent a retired Brent Seabrook, who the Bolts had interest in solely because of his LTIR relief in exchange for Tyler Johnson in a 2022 second round pick. And again, this was a deal you have to say yes to. 
I mean, I, I know Johnson's contract situation. If the Blackhawks were competitive, it wouldn't be that bad of a deal. But considering they're heading in a rebuild, they're wanting to give some younger guys more ice time, Tyler Johnson making that kind of money for the next two years tied up isn't ideal. But again, it's basically a free second round pick. You traded a retired Brent Seabrook, who's literally never going to play another second of an of NHL action for a second round pick. So uh, both these moves back to back were absolute A plus slam dunks for Stan Bowman at the end of his tenure. Uh, the last move that he made as Blackhawks general manager, actually, interestingly enough, was trading Nikita Zadorov to the Calgary Flames in exchange for a 2023 third round pick. Uh, I feel like that was probably the best case scenario return for a guy like Zadorov after how much he struggled with the Blackhawks last season. He was actually terrible. It was not fun to watch Nikita Zadorov on the ice in a Blackhawks sweater. So, um, I felt like a third round pick probably was the best type of return that they could have gotten. Now, Zadorov did bounce back this year with Calgary, where to be fair, he also had some better teammates around him. But even with his slight bounce back, I still don't even know if the Flames tried to move him if a team would be willing to give up a second for him. So uh, I do think, like, you know, I do think that this was the best decision in the Blackhawks for the Blackhawks. Uh, in the long haul, because Zadorov just didn't look like a fit here, didn't look like he was very comfortable on the ice and never really got settled in with this team. And I, I kind of thought, you know, for the money that he was, for the money that it was going to take to bring him back, I think it's just better to let him go, let him be someone else's problem. Uh, and, you know, we'll take the draft pick that the Blackhawks or that Calgary gave back to us in return. We'll see who the Hawks uh, wind up taking in the third round of this year's draft later on this summer. All right, there are the final trades that Stan Bowman made in his tenure as Blackhawks general manager. Coming up in just a minute, I will get into the hand, the first handful of trades that Kyle Davidson has made in his first few months as GM. But first, I need to talk to you all about rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business serving auto parts customers and do-it-yourselfers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now. Save both money and time while shopping for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even as much as 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or at a new car dealership? Chain stores and car dealerships have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. But rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're always reliably low. The rockauto.com catalog is also remarkably unique and super easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle from motor oil to tail lamps and even carpet. And you can also choose the brands, specifications, and the prices that you prefer. Best of all, those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. So I spend up to twice as much money and time while shopping for the same parts when you can go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts that you will ever need for your car or truck for the best possible prices. And make sure to let them know that the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks Podcast. Getting into segment two now today, a bit of a carryover from segment one, but I'm going to get into the first few trades that Kyle Davidson has made as the Blackhawks general manager. The first three, actually, 
Uh, he's been a part of six. It was actually kind of funny how it worked out. It was a clean, even split for segment one. I got to break down the final six trades that Stan Bowman made as general manager. And then for segment two, I get to break down the first six trades that Kyle Davidson has made as general manager. Uh, but the first three, though, by the way, I will say those still came while he was just as the interim, but he was technically acting like he was in full control and acting like he was the permanent general manager when he was still only the temporary one. So still basically acting in the same manner, even though he technically didn't have the job title at that point. But the first trade that he made was sending Malcolm Subban to the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for future considerations, which uh, interestingly enough, up to this point, I don't believe there's any update as to uh, what those future considerations were or what they're going to be or anything along those lines. So obviously it's kind of hard to gauge whether or not this was a good trade for the Blackhawks or for the Sabres. Um, but one thing I do know is that Malcolm Subban was deserving of an opportunity with another NHL club. And he just simply wasn't going to get that here in Chicago with, at that time, Marc-Andre Fleury, Kevin Lankinen serving as the backup even Colin Delia and Arvid Soderblom down in Rockford. Like it was a crowded goaltender group for the Blackhawks. So I completely understand why, uh, even if it's, you know, not for much in return, if this winds up being just some cash or a seventh round pick, I don't even know what it's going to be at this point, but Subban probably wouldn't have garnered much anywhere else. Um, and he was, like I said, he had earned, he wasn't an NHL goaltender, or he wasn't an AHL goaltender, excuse me. He had proven, uh, maybe not consistently enough, but he had had some flashes that shown he was worth another shot. And with a team like Buffalo, who was struggling and uh, struggling with issues at the goaltender position earlier on in the years, it did make a lot of sense. So we'll see if we get any updates on this trade throughout the summer. But either way, uh, I like the kind of change of scenery move and giving Subban an opportunity to play elsewhere. The next move was basically just an AHL swap as the Hawks traded Chad Chris to the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for Curtis Gabriel. And Gabriel played in a few games up with the Blackhawks earlier on in the season and provided some physicality when the lineup didn't have much of it at that time. Uh, but he did end up getting sent back down to the Ice Hogs and wound up sticking around with them for the majority or for the rest of the season, I guess I should say. So not much of an impact up at the NHL level, but what from what I did watch of the Ice Hogs playoff run, I thought Gabriel served really well as a physical fourth liner. I don't know if he's ever going to have an NHL future, but he seemed like he was well-liked with that group. And, you know, maybe he'll get an AHL contract in the offseason. You never know. Um, but for Chris, he was actually a former second-round pick of the Blackhawks. It just hadn't panned out so far in his professional career and really had fell fallen down uh, the depth chart with all the defensemen being in the system. So again, just kind of like the Malcolm Subban deal, just kind of a, a little bit of a change of scenery swap here between the Blackhawks and the Maple Leafs for uh, one AHL or for another. The next deal that, uh, the next and last deal, I should say, that Kyle Davidson made as interim general manager was an absolute home run of his own as the Hawks sent Alex Nylander to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for Sam Lafferty, who immediately jumped into the lineup and made his presence felt, came in, provided some energy. He was a real spark plug type of guy. Uh, and he also became one of the fan favorites, I feel like, in quite a, quite a hurry. 
Uh, and then for Nylander, he didn't even play in a single NHL game for the Penguins this year. And the, the numbers that he produced weren't all that spectacular. So I, I still don't even know if he's ever going to be an NHL or permanently one day down the road. And then for Lafferty, of course, he's already uh, inked his extension with the Blackhawks for the next two years. So seems like a, up to this point, seems like a pretty darn good move by Kyle Davidson. Lafferty's fit in well is a piece that the Blackhawks need a little bit more of, like I said, that spark plug type of guy. Uh, and I think this was an absolute smasher by Kyle Davidson and his last move as the interim general manager. Next, the, the uh, most recent three trades that Davidson has made, his first three as permanent general manager, all came back at the NHL trade deadline. And the first one, of course, was sending Brandon Hagel, a 2022 fourth round pick and a 2024 fourth round pick to the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for a conditional 2023 and 2024 first round pick, Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk. And while Davidson publicly said, you know, he didn't want to trade Brandon Hagel, I completely understand why he did, because this type of return simply too good to pass up, right? Like now the Blackhawks being in rebuild mode, which Kyle Davidson said, this is what we're going to do. They now have two first round picks in the 2023 NHL draft, which is supposedly supposed to be a a supposedly supposed to be, oh my gosh, that's terrible, which is supposedly a pretty deep first round. And then they also have two first round picks in 2024, along with Taylor Radish, who looks like he could be a potential middle six piece one day and Boris Kachuk, who looks like he could be a future fourth liner as well. Uh, So I I get that nobody wanted to see Brandon Hagel traded, but it was just too good of a return to pass up. And even Davidson said that himself. And with the Blackhawks, something I've I've already touched on, not really having a first round pick in each of the past two years. Now they guarantee themselves to have at least two in the next two years moving forward. And who knows, maybe if they can figure something out, make move move some pieces around. Maybe they can get even three first-round picks in one of those next two years. So I think this trade, it just put them in too good of a position moving forward to say no to. That's ultimately what it came down to. So uh, while it's tough to see a guy like Hagel go as well, I think this was one that Kyle Davidson would say yes to 100 times out of 100. The next trade that Davidson made was the Marc-Andre Fleury to Minnesota deal. Of course, that was a conditional 2022 second round pick in exchange for Flurry one for one with the conditions being if Flurry, uh, if Minnesota reached the Western Conference final and Flurry picked up at least four of the eight wins necessary to do so in the playoffs, then that second round pick would become a first round pick. But Minnesota lost to the St. Louis Blues in six games. So now we know the Blackhawks are going to have a second round pick here. In this year's draft for Flurry, but again, we gave up Michael Hackerinen to get him, so no complaints on this end. Basically, a free second round pick. And then the last trade that Kyle Davidson has made was sending Ryan Carpenter to the Calgary Flames in exchange for a 2024 fourth round or 2024 fifth round pick. Excuse me, folks, it's a fifth round pick, not a fourth. And honestly, when the news broke of this deal, I was kind of like. I don't know. I just feel like a 2024 fifth is so random. I don't know why he couldn't have gotten a 2022 fifth or a 2023 fifth. It's like, I don't know that that didn't make much sense to me, but um, I think the ideal return for Carpenter at the deadline would have been a fourth, 
but that was probably a bit unrealistic. Um, a fifth or a sixth always seemed like the two more likely scenarios. So to get a fifth for Carpy, who, by the way, was getting scratched for the Flames throughout the Stan- their Stanley Cup playoff run, so they really didn't even use them. The Blackhawks basically got their fifth round pick for free. Uh, we'll have to wait and see who that player turns out to be. But again, Carpenter wasn't going to, he probably wasn't going to get re-signed in the offseason. You might as well get something for him before you let him walk. We'll take a fifth round pick at the end of the day. It's a free draft pick. You're going to say yes to it. All right, that takes care of each and every trade that the Blackhawks have made in the last 365 days. Coming up in just a minute, I still have to get into Blackhawks defenseman Connor Murphy's 2021-2022 season recap. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment three now today, before I wrap things up, still got to get into defenseman Connor Murphy's 2021-2022 season recap segment. And for those of you who haven't checked out the past few episodes of Locked On Blackhawks, I've already done season recaps on Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrinkett, Dylan Strome, and Seth Jones. So if you haven't listened to those yet, be sure to go and do so once today's episode wraps up here in just a few moments. To hear what grades I thought each of those top four players for the Blackhawks deserved for their performance this year. And while you have a minute, also be sure to go and comment down below as to what grade you think Connor Murphy has earned for his efforts this year. All right, getting into Connor Murphy's season, honestly, to me, I thought this was Murphy's worst season since his first as a Blackhawk. That was way back when Joe Quenville was still the head coach of this team. But interestingly enough, when I posted my poll on Twitter, uh, nearly 50% of the voters thought Murphy had a pretty good season. Nearly 50% voted for either an A or a B, which, spoiler alert, I will not be giving him either. Uh, But getting into Murphy's season, he only ended up playing in 57 games this year after uh, missing the stretch run Uh, following the hit that he took against the Ottawa Senators on St. Patrick's Day weekend. Parker Kelly, a bad hit from behind. That gave Murphy a concussion, and then he went on to miss the last month, month and a half of the year. Um, But I know this situation doesn't really tie into it because I don't think there was anything Murphy could have done differently here, maybe not turned his back to the play, but that's, that's kind of nitpicking. All in all, it was a bad hit by Parker Kelly. But One thing worth noting is Connor Murphy has been kind of injury plagued so far in his time with the Chicago Blackhawks. And I just, I I do worry about his durability a little bit, especially when, you know, if for the way that he plays shot blocker, he's physical, a defensive defenseman. It just worries me if, you know, if he's going to be a key defenseman for the Blackhawks going forward the next couple of years, is he going to be able to make it to the playoffs? Like, we haven't seen Murphy go without an injury through the course of the season or even without a serious injury. It feels like that just hasn't happened. So I, I do have some concerns about his durability a little bit. Um, I love what he does when he's healthy for the most part, except for this season. It wasn't very good, but it's just been a struggle for him to stay on the ice consistently. Um, but moving on, uh Obviously, Murphy is not known as an offensive defenseman, um, but he ended up recording four goals and six assists this season for just 10 points, which was actually 
his lowest since uh, his first campaign in the NHL a uh, handful of years back. Uh, so while he's not known for his offensive skill set, these were still some pretty low numbers, even for his standard. Um, Murphy also tallied 47 penalty minutes this season, which was one minute away from a career high. And that came in 78 games back in 2015, 16. So I think Murphy needs to do a better job of staying out of the penalty box, especially being one of the team's best penalty killers. I thought this year he was just a little too aggressive. And I know they were a bit pickier about cross checks and all those things, but I think that's something he's got to focus on because if he's not out there on the ice for the penalty kill, the Blackhawks are at a disadvantage and penalty kill has been an issue for this team for quite some time as well. Um, Murphy also, <coughs> excuse me. Ooh, in terms of average time on ice, I'm going to take a drink real quick. In terms of average time on ice, Murphy has flirted right around that 22-minute mark for the most part of his time here in Chicago. Uh, this year, he finished at 21 minutes and 46 seconds. That was 30 seconds away from a new career best. So he's been a big minute eater ever since he's gotten here. And even though he struggled this year, I thought that that didn't change with Derrick King being the head coach. And, you know, I think that was also a frustrating part of the season, too, is we knew Murphy was going to play a big role, and he had done that for this team when healthy over the past few years. But all of a sudden, when there's some expectations for him and for the team, he just kind of fell flat. So uh, I, I expect him to keep playing and keep getting those minutes moving forward. Uh, but he's just got to make more of them than what he did this season. The two areas where I thought Murphy excelled the most this year were in terms of block shots and in hits. Because despite only playing in 57 games, Murphy set a new career best with 150 shot blocks this year, which was right there among uh, the NHL leaders. And he also chipped in for 130 hits, which was uh, his most since his first year back with the Blackhawks again. So uh, in terms of physicality and his willingness to sacrifice the body, those have always been um, kind of Murphy's strengths and Murphy's bread and butter, if you will. Um, but that's where I thought he made the biggest impact this season. But like Jake McCabe, who I broke down on the show not all that long ago, when you go and look at the analytics for Connor Murphy, they were actually horrible this year. He had just a 38.7 Corsi 4 percentage, which is by far the worst of his career. He's never even really been even close to 40% in terms of Corsi 4 percentage. He was also on the ice for 43 goals for to 73 against in 57 games. 73 goals against at five on five in 57 games is actually kind of impressively horrible. Like it was a struggle fest for Connor Murphy turnovers, breakdowns. He and Jake McCabe just couldn't reconnect that and find that chemistry that they had going back to their junior days with the United States national program. And I think that was one of the biggest issues for the Blackhawks defense this season was McCabe and Murphy, like I said, they finally have some expectations and they just didn't live up to them. And when those two struggled, the rest of the defense was bound to struggle at that point. It wasn't a very deep defense for the Blackhawks, especially early on when they were injury plagued, running Jeremy Colleton's shoddy system. Um, they, they needed, Blackhawks needed those two to be better. And 
Um, I know for McCabe, you know, coming off surgery in the offseason, it's a little bit more understandable for him to get off to a slow start. But for Connor Murphy, I kind of just was scratching my head because I really just thought he didn't even look like his himself for the most part of this year when he was healthy. So it was tough. I do definitely think he's capable of bouncing back. In the past three years, he had been the Blackhawks' top defenseman. Uh, so all in all, I might be a little bit harsh on Connor Murphy here, but I think that's also because I've been so high on him from what he's accomplished in his time with the Blackhawks up until this season. So taking everything into consideration, I'm going to give Blackhawks defenseman Connor Murphy a C- minus for his performance this season. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Tuesday, May 31st's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow Locked On Blackhawks wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to go and follow, or go and subscribe, rather, to Locked On Blackhawks on YouTube, and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news, info, and updates from all four teams still alive in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2. Or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions regarding anything related to the Blackhawks or to the show, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you could call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for tuning into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.